Section number one of The Progressive Woman, volume seven, number seventy five, October nineteen thirteen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Progressive Woman, volume seven, number seventy five, October nineteen thirteen. Josephine Conger Kaneko, editor. Free Woman or the Harem by Josephine Conger Kaneko. The title of this article suggests a startling contrast, that of the free woman, intelligent, strong, unhampered by restrictions, mental or legal, in the body social, and that of the child woman in the harem, the puppet and plaything of man, uneducated, restricted by law and tradition to the actual four walls of a home, and without rights or privileges outside of this home. In India and Persia and China we have the harem woman, the woman who from infancy to old age never escapes the dominance of some individual man. In her youth it is the father, in womanhood it is the husband, in old age it is the sons. No harem woman ever is free from the legal dominance of some individual man. Like the child that never grows up, she needs a guardian all her life. The harem woman is not allowed to go to school. She does not appear on the streets without being swathed in veils, and with a guardian at her side. The harem woman doesn't know, probably, what the word government means. Politics is Greek to her, and civic conditions might be the worst ever, without the fact reaching her in concrete terms. The harem woman literally never bothers about affairs outside of her home, and she is not up to Western standards about affairs within the home. In short, the harem woman is frankly treated as an infant, mentally, and consequently, she remains as such. Now, the Western woman, of course, is not in the same class with the harem woman. She looks upon her sister of the Orient with the greatest commiseration. In the first place, her life is, to the Western woman, an immoral one. In the second place, it is too dependent, too narrow, too useless. The Western woman does not envy the harem woman her position either as wife, mother, or social creature. On the other hand, she pities her tremendously. She is willing to devote time and money to her salvation from her deplorable state. And yet, strange though it seems, the harem woman does not envy the Western woman. First of all, she regards the Western woman as shameless, if not actually immoral. Does not the Western woman go unveiled on the streets? Does she not talk fearlessly with men, without the blush of modesty rising to her cheeks? The harem woman would never, never, never think of doing such a thing. And this is about as far as the harem woman's reasoning about the position of her western sister can go. But since she has started it, let us carry the comparisons along a little further, at least as far as our intelligence permits us, and do it from the harem woman's point of view. Is not the Western woman taught, very much as is the harem woman, that woman's place is in the home, and that man is her natural protector? And does not the Western woman, too often when she marries, find her girlhood dream shattered, discover that she is not protected, but has to take in boarders to support herself and help support the children, and sometimes the husband? The harem woman would never, never have to do that. And does not the Western woman, when her husband dies or deserts her, have to support herself and her children, 
even though she has never been trained for such responsibility, having been taught that man is her natural protector and that her place is in the home? The harem woman would never have to do that. Her father or sons would take care of her to the end of her days. And is not the Western man rather brutal to his woman, permitting her to work long hours at low wages in mills and factories? The harem men would never let their woman do that. Are there not hundreds of thousands of women sold into lives of shame every year in Western countries by Western man? Harem women are never afraid of facing this life. Their men guard them from this, as they guard them from starvation and poorly paid labor. The Western woman is permitted an education, but has she not fought hard for this? And are there not many schools even yet closed against her? The harem woman is frankly ignorant, and nobody treats her with less respect for it. The Western woman, in some instances, possesses the right of franchise, but she is not permitted to hold the best-paying political jobs. The harem woman knows absolutely nothing about politics, but at least she has never had to pay the price the Western woman has had to pay in ridicule and scorn, in contempt in gaining her few political rights. In short, the harem woman is bound, but in her bondage she is protected. The Western woman is free with a string to the freedom, is bound with necessity ever urging her on to the great goal. The Western man is at a loss to know what to think of the Western woman, or what to do with her. Her place is in the home, her vocation, motherhood, he too often believes, and tenaciously clings to the notion of keeping her in her place and at her vocation. But fate, relentless fate, in the garb of necessity, is forcing the woman out of the home, is making her, in many instances, the breadwinner, and taking the protectorate of man away from him. The Western man could assist a great deal if he would work in harmony with fate and help the woman to the place she must ultimately win, that of the free woman, the intelligent, fearless, independent human being. He could help if he would permit his ideas regarding women to develop with the development of all other things. If he could put aside his harem idea of her, and at once do his part in making her his social, political, industrial, and mental equal. The harem man is squarer with his woman than is the western man with his harem idea. He frankly says, the woman is the weaker vessel, and it is our duty to take care of her, and to provide for her from birth till death, and we are doing it. The western man says, the woman is the weaker vessel, and she should keep within her sphere and under our control. Of course, we can't take care of her. Conditions are such that we can't possibly support her in many instances. She's got to go out and work for herself. Yet, yet she really should let us continue to be the boss, and we are doing our level best to hold her down and stay on the job that tradition has assigned to us. The harem woman is a plump, dark-eyed, indolent child, contented within her four walls, with her soft cushions her little dinners, her sweetmeats, her brilliantly dyed dresses, her babies. She never worries about where the next meal is to come from. Her father, her husband, her sons are her meal ticket, and Eastern sentiment does not permit them to shirk their responsibilities toward her. The Western woman has not reached the pinnacle of equality with the sterner sex outside the home, nor is she secure within her home. At present, and for some time, she has been a dangle between the insecurity of the home 
and the lack of full citizenship, of full industrial rights, of full economic freedom. Just how long the painful situation will last for the Western woman, no man knows. The time that we shall have the free woman with us depends upon two things, industrial development and an awakened social consciousness regarding woman's place in the scheme of things. Meanwhile, let us not blame the harem woman if she does not envy us our present social position. End of section 1